Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen, and I'm very excited because today we're kicking off our coverage of Secret Invasion, a new TV show on Disney Plus that takes place in the MCU. Joining me today for this series of podcasts, he is the co-host of Remap Radio and the writer of Crossplay, a new substack that you can find at patrickklepik.substack.com. Patrick Klepek, welcome back to Decoding TV. You know, uh, thanks for having me, Dave. You know, a Barry to Secret Invasion, I, I'm sure total... Tonal consistency between these two shows uh, that we're going to be going to be covering. You know, you you might not be that wrong. You might not be that wrong. So, <laughs> uh, what we are doing here today is we have a preview episode about Secret Invasion. Um, I have seen the first episode of Secret Invasion. Patrick has not. There's going to be no spoilers in this preview episode. Uh, we're just going to be talking about a few things to prepare you for Secret Invasion, as well as. Um, uh, kind of our thoughts on MCU television in general and where we see uh, the TV shows fitting into the MCU as a whole and what we think of the MCU you know, uh, universe right now and how it's going uh, as well. So that's what is the plan for today's podcast. It'll be a short one, short preview episode. Um, but I also want people to know that the way this is going to work moving forward uh, is we will be putting out a new Decoding TV recap episode on podcast.decodingtv.com as well as at youtube.com slash decodingtv. Basically, every two episodes of Secret Invasion. So there's going to be six episodes of Secret Invasion. After the first two episodes, we're going to have a recap, review, spoil everything on Decoding TV. And then the next two episodes, and then the next two episodes. So there's going to be three total episodes covering Secret Invasion. Uh, so that is the plan, and uh, Patrick Klepek will be here for all of them, and possibly we might have some other guests coming down the line as well, so we'll see. Uh, so yeah, that is what is going to be the plan for this podcast. Uh, and again, you can find more episodes of the show at podcast.decodingtv.com. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Decoding TV, And become a paid member at decodingtv.com, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as early access to episodes. Uh, we really rely on our Decoding TV members to keep this podcast going. So, Patrick Klepek, Secret Invasion. Uh, people who have listened to my work on Decoding TV and the filmcast may be aware that I have become a little bit disenchanted with <laughs> Marvel television shows as time has gone on. Uh-huh. Uh, but Secret Invasion... Uh, is going to be co-show run by a man named Kyle Bradstreet, who did a lot of work on Mr. Robot, which is a show that I was generally favorable on. Uh, and also, uh, Patrick Klepek is interested in talking with me about it, so I was like, I can't, can't turn down this opportunity to, uh, to get into Secret Invasion on the Decoding TV podcast. Uh, and uh, also, like, I, I feel the need to point out that like MCU TV production has been a little bit troubled as of late. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, a few years ago, a bunch of titles were announced for this year, 
mm-hmm. What If Season 2, Echo, Loki Season 2, Ironheart, Agatha, The Coven of Chaos. All those shows I just listed were supposed to come out <laughs> in 2023. But apparently the only sure bets are, at this point, Secret Invasion. I think Loki Season 2 is still coming out. And then we also heard about Echo coming out uh, in the fall. So it's been a significant paring down. Um, and so part of me has this curiosity about this is one of the shows that made it. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> this is the show that survived the natural selection, right? Um, Patrick Klepek, like what is your uh, excitement level for Secret Invasion? Uh, and then I'll talk a little bit about some of the lead up to it. And then we can talk about your general thoughts on MCU TV as a whole. But what are your, what are your initial thoughts on Secret Invasion? And, and you've seen the trailers. What are your expectations? I don't know. I, you know, even as someone that remains uh, maybe a more tempered MCU fan, but is is still tries their best. It's it's one of the things that my wife and I share real. Like she has no interest in any of the video game stuff I do, but all the TVs and movies we have a ton of personal overlap on. We fell in love with horror movies, and the MCU has been one of those constants uh, as well for us, uh, even as. The, the, the quality uh, has kind of uh, uh, wavered here in the post sort of Infinity War phase. But what I just don't know, and I'm sure this is only we'll unpack as we watch the show and kind of talk about the MCU and its relationship to television and the broader landscape that it's kind of settling in is, is this important? I don't know. If it's not important, that's okay. What kind of story is it telling? Is this meant to be sort of a personal exploration of Nick Fury? Like, is this meant to be a side-off thing? Like, I don't think the MCU knows what its relationship to television is because so much has changed in the last couple of years between leadership at Disney, the actual production of a number of MCU shows. Like it is is well documented that uh, COVID caused an enormous amount of havoc as they were trying to roll out, you know, the most recent Spider-Man, the uh, Thor, um, and then how that fits into the MCU's television arm in which like WandaVision was not supposed to be the premier show. It was supposed to be the Captain America show. It's a much different world to imagine that show going first, which I, there were parts of it I liked, but I don't think it worked as a cohesive whole. Whereas WandaVision, yeah. even though it kind of fell apart towards the end as everyone had to fight each other, like that was a genuine, like post infinity war, a genuine moment for the MCU and the culture, like everyone I knew was watching that show, even if they had a very tangential relationship to, to the Marvel films, that, that show managed to just sort of capture a zeitgeist as we were all stuck in our homes, which I'm sure contributed to it. And the longer we have gotten away from that, and it is more falling into a more predictable rhythm with the films. It's just not clear to me where these stand in the hierarchy. And at the moment that you start to detach from that, I think you're going to start losing audiences depending on where they're at in terms of their relationship to Marvel as a brand, these movies and where they fit in their lives. And then that's where secret uh, invasion finds itself in just a really strange spot. Is this the Andor of the MCU or, you know, and like, is that comparison even fair? Probably not. Um, Don't, don't compare it to one of the best television shows, Star Wars or not of the last five years, but it just leaves me in a spot. Even as a fan, I know I'm going to watch it, but I don't know what I'm looking for going into it because it's not as though even recently I was set up, you know, like the last thing I watched was getting me ready for what's happening in secret invasion. That's not how these television shows and movies are interacting. They are not interlocking pieces or they are, but the puzzle pieces are like, all right, well that one was, I mean, I don't mean to go behind the scenes a little bit, but you were preparing your document about like how we, so that you and I had a sense of, 
uh, you know, what the flow of the show was. And you mentioned that, like, hey, the last time we knew about Nick Fury was in Spider-Man No Way Home. It's like, no, that was Spider-Man Far From Home, which was the 2019 film, which is just to say that's how detached all of this has become. Like, that movie was 2019. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) First of all, Patrick, putting me on blast in front of the audience. <laughs> Thanks for that. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's the the whole construction of all this is on blast. That even as someone who is a paid professional, and I run into this all the time with my my video game stuff, where someone stops me in my tracks with a question that I think I should know the answer to that. I think that speaks to how tangled this web has become. That even someone that is that is paid to keep track of this, it means so much to them personally. They even if they're you know you, you've fallen off the MCU bandwagon a little bit. That that can be, oh, right, no, it was that Spider-Man movie, not that Spider-Man movie. I just feel right. that speaks everything to this particular moment and how this, this show arrives in. <laughs> a mistake that David Chen made on the show notes for mm-hmm. this Decoding TV episode summarizes the massive problems the MCU is having. It's the right skeleton now. key for everything else, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So uh, what Patrick is talking about, right, is I there's a... Um, I prepared a little recap for us today because here's the thing. All right, let me react to what Patrick has said. I've seen the first episode of uh, Secret Invasion. A lot of critics have seen two episodes already. Uh, I only watched one because I wanted to, you know, watch kind of along with Patrick. And um, I want to say, first of all, uh, in my opinion, it is not the Andor of the MCU. Like, I, <laughs> I heard that being floated. Uh, that is r- preposterous, in my opinion, just based on the first episode. I will say, I think it is. Uh, the kind of Winter Soldier of the MCU TV show, okay. which is like, okay. I think Captain America and the Winter Soldier was supposed to be the Winter Soldier of the MCU, but um, <laughs> or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Falcon, you know, whatever yes. you want to call it. But uh, uh, yeah, this is. And by the way, that's not bad. Like if it if it was the Winter Soldier, like the the Captain America Winter Soldier of the MCU TV universe, like that would be like a really big success in my opinion. I also think uh, the show Secret Invasion, it has like a really amazing cast. Uh, and that's like makes it very exciting to just see what these actors are doing. Samuel L. Jackson's a main character in the show. Uh, Amelia Clark is in the show. So this will be one of her first big TV roles since Game of Thrones. Uh, Academy Award winning actress Olivia Coleman is in the show. So <laughs> What's like, she doing here? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad she's here. Exactly. So it's going to be like, oh, like... Uh, and Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury, he gets like a prominent role. This is this is almost kind of like we never got a Nick Fury movie, so it's like this is kind of taking the place. Of that. So there's a lot of things between that, between Kyle Bradstreet is uh, co-show running it. Like there's a lot of things that like are intriguing me uh, about the show, and that I think will be worth talking about. But the promise of this podcast episode slash YouTube video is uh, we want to help get you ready for uh, Secret Invasion. Now I watched a screener of Secret Invasion and. Probably when you watch it on Disney Plus, uh, there's going to be some previously in the MCU or whatever, and it will give you like a whole recap of how we got to this point. Uh, but I didn't have that, and I was kind of confused. <laughs> so uh, what I did, so the Secret Invasion, uh, you can tell from the trailers, it's uh, the scrolls feature into Secret Invasion in a big way. And if you know the comics, if you know, uh, if you've seen the trailer, you'll know that the scrolls play a big role. And so what I wanted to do with this conversation was explain to people who the scrolls are as we've seen them on screen and where we are in the current state of things with the MCU as it relates to scrolls. And in order to do that, I had to go all the way back to Captain Marvel, which came out in 2019. Uh, 
Patrick Klepek, you have any, you have an opinion on Captain Marvel the movie by any chance? I quite liked it when it came out, but I it's hard to separate. Uh, well, one just Brie Larson is effortlessly charming. Like she's just she shows up in anything, and I will want to watch her in it. Um, but it is that that movie comes out in the lead up to you know uh, uh, in uh, right Infinity War, right? Like the first and end game, part. I believe. I think it was it is was it either end, end game. Yeah, I was think it? it it took place between it took place between Infinity War and Endgame. Right. And it's like but in that that period is like one of my favorites as an MCU yeah, this is, fan. Like this it is was the, like the heyday of the MCU. This is like when the MCU is at the height of its cultural power basically. Yes. Right? And, uh, and so I I actually I what I should do at some point. I probably will do this before the Marvels comes out later this year is revisit that movie separate from that zeitgeist separate from like yeah. every time I, I am too old to go to movies at midnight, but the, the Marvel movies of that era were the closest that we're getting me and my wife to being like, well, I mean, but how late is three in the morning when you have to get up at six 30 with your kids? Like maybe there's a, maybe we can make, there's a nap we fit in the next day because <laughs> yeah. it was just, it was can't miss. You know, I've always described uh, the MCU more as, you know, a serialized television show that just happens to be what you're watching at the movies. And every single one that was coming out, you know, in that era of Captain Marvel and Black Panther, like, was just cannot miss. Like, I have to be there day one because I consider being there day one, not just for the logistics of avoiding spoilers or or it was like I wanted to be in the theater with people reacting to all the twists and the reveals and the post credits and so I, the Captain Marvel, I, I have to be there for for all of those reasons, and ended up quite liking the movie. But I I don't know how that movie sits detached from that moment, um, given how much I think that is was a part of my enjoyment of it at the time. So here's what I'll say: having watched Captain Marvel <laughs> last night to prepare for this podcast, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these are the sacrifices I make for the decoding TV audience. <laughs> okay, I, all right. I went, well, I don't like I don't like where this is going. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, the movie is fine. Uh, yeah. You know, I think uh, Captain Marvel made one point one billion dollars at the box office when it came out. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I think if you release this movie today in its exact <laughs> form, I don't think it would make one point one billion dollars. Now, um, we will. David Chen will be proven wrong this fall when the Marvels comes out, and maybe it makes one billion dollars. But like. Uh, I just think that in that time period, this, which was like only four years ago, yeah. uh, any, anything you slap Marvel on the title or you know Marvel on it, and it's like people are going to flock to go see it because it's part of this huge, exciting, interconnected universe. And I, it just doesn't feel like there's the same enthusiasm anymore as certain recent, uh, fairly somewhat disappointing film uh, performances have shown. So, uh, I will say one of my favorite things about Captain Marvel is. Uh, a lot of MCU movie post credit scenes have been kind of garbage. And uh, this Captain Marvel kind of uh, between Avengers Infinity War with like Nick Fury, you know, activating the beeper mm-hmm. and then Captain Marvel explaining where the beeper comes from. And then like then the beeper showing up at the end of Captain Marvel in the post credit scene of that movie. That's like a really satisfying set of scenes of like. 
you know, oh, wow, like he activated this beeper and then there's a whole other movie explaining their whole relationship. And then you show what happens after he activated the beeper in, in the post credit scene. It's like, mm. there's just like, it just really kind of whets the audience's appetite for like, and it was all building up to Endgame and it was really satisfyingly done. So Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think stuff like that, what, what was remarkable about it and how much they were aware of it at the time, how much that was conscious or just like things were just kind of like stringing along this sort of like, this kind of uh, way as it all played out is that like, the stakes of those connections you're making aren't especially high. They're great rewards to the audience who's paying attention, but also doesn't leave the audience who like maybe forgot about the beeper or didn't look that like post credits up on YouTube to be reminded. It doesn't leave them behind. It is just, it is a reward for the eager audience member that cares about those little Easter eggs and connective tissue. And that, you know, I think like losing that and the, the just the increasing amount of things this franchise has to juggle means it is much harder for that setup and payoff to occur or when it is occurring it's occurring so distant apart that like can it really be a payoff if it's you know three years later like how much of right, that can right. you keep in your mind so i'm just gonna go on a limb and say i don't think anyone forgot about the beeper after infinity war patrick i think people right. were really curious yes. about what was going on there uh whether the pay- whether the ultimate payoff in endgame was worth it you know you can decide for yourselves but um okay so let's talk about what we have learned about the scrolls from Captain Marvel. Okay, Captain Marvel is when we first got the full blown introduction to the skulls, uh, the scrolls, I should say. Um, so to recap, what happens in Captain Marvel? Brie Larson plays Carol Danvers, a pilot who's working with a woman named Marvell, played by Annette Bening, to perfect an engine capable of light speed travel. This engine is eventually what gives Carol Danvers her superpowers. Anyways, Marvell actually belongs to a race of aliens called the Kree who are at war with the Skrulls, which is an alien race of people with scary-looking green faces that are capable of shape-shifting. While we are initially introduced to the story from the Kree perspective, with the Skrulls seemingly the terrorists in the situation, halfway through the movie, whoa, massive twist, it turns out the Skrulls are the ones who are being oppressed by the Kree. All the Skrulls really want is to find a home, and as the movie comes to an end, Captain Marvel rebuffs the Kree and commits to helping the Skrulls find that home. So that's what we know about the scrolls. It's like, hey, uh, don't judge a book by its cover, Patrick. You know, like uh, the scrolls, they look a little bit scary. But at the end of the day, maybe they are they are not. They're the ones being scared. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the scrolls also show up once again in the post credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home, where we learn that Talos and his wife Soren are actually impersonating Nick Fury for the entire duration of the film Spider-Man Far From Home. And that the real Nick Fury is actually on a scroll ship in space. The scrolls also show up again in the post credit scene of WandaVision, where one of them makes contact with Monica Rambo. And that's basically been it. That's basically been all we've seen of the scrolls until Secret Invasion. Mm. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Uh, so I, I just want to say I think that's like <sighs> uh, per, per your comments about connecting the dots. It's like in order to get the most out of Secret Invasion, you need to remember all that stuff about the scrolls. The post-credit scenes are not as important, but like a massive portion of the plot of Secret Invasion, or at least the setup of Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. hinges on the fact that Samuel L. Jackson's character Nick Fury is in space, and you only know that if you stayed through the end credits of Spider-Man: Far From Home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, these are all like <laughs> it, okay. I'm just <laughs> so, and I've watched all these. that claim to be a huge fan of them. I'm like, I got this all in my head. I'm yeah. Like, Really? They're doing the storytelling connective tissue exclusively through like it, it is true that they're uh, often like the post credit scenes were functioning as not exclusively Easter eggs, right? They were doing some real setup, but I always felt like at their best, they were rewards for the like we said, the rewards for paying attention as opposed to required reading for uh, understanding what's next. And so not having this bit seems to rob a lot of that connective tissue for even situating yourself with nick fury or 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 any of these other characters in this world and that's that's odd those seem like some missteps along the way i will say it's a bold decision to usually like you'd see a post-credit scene with like nick fury in space and then there'd be like a whole other set of explanations as to what's going on there and i don't maybe there was that in in the mcu maybe i don't know if miss marvel or whatever explained why nick fury is in space but i don't think so you know i i did some reading on patrick in all your watchings other than spider-man far from home did do you recall anything explaining why nick fury is is in space in the mcu i don't don't think so right no no or if it is you you can't if if, if i'm sitting here rubbing my temples trying to, to parse that it was not a major plot point right it is it is a, it at best a throwaway line a reference to tell the audience that like we're yeah we're aware like we're we'll get a, we'll get back to, to that nick fury thing. i mean i guess like the best the closest you get to that is the post credits of wandavision uh with when monica rambo is is contacted by like hey like a scroll and it's like hey there's a there's a there's a friend up there, and it's like a friend, oh my, a friend of friend. your. Mo- I think it was like a friend of your mom's, if I recall correctly, or something. Yes, like that. I believe yeah. that I believe that's yeah. a line, and that would. That, 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 so not only like is it a post credits that's referencing a bit that was in another post credits, but also they're not even going to name the character. They're like, who's the friend of your mom? <laughs> yeah, like, it was so, I, it was I, so I, ambiguous. So and maybe so, Wandavision actually set that up, and I'm just remembering the part of Wandavision that set that part up, so I could make that inference. But like that. That is a lot of like winking at the audience where the eye has become so enormous that I'm yeah. terrified of the wink itself. Bold decision is what I'm going to say mm-hmm. to, to approach it the way they've approached it. Now, to be fair, uh, I think they like uh, having seen the first episode, uh, I'll just say they kind of deal that that is the setup of, of Secret Invasion is like Nick Fury has been in space for a while and there are scrolls that walk amongst us. And if you kind of know that, then that's basically enough. So it's not like okay. it's not like you really need to be acquainted with the intimate details of it because they haven't provided it to you. But it's just it's just uh, the fact that he's been away from Earth plays a significant part of the pl- like him being away has been a significant part of the plot. So it's like wow, um, I can't believe they're like hanging this all on information we basically learned in post credit scenes. 
Um, yeah. it's a it's a bold choice. It's a bold choice. But to to recap the recap, basically, all you need to know is Nick Fury's been in space for a while. The scrolls are looking for their homeland, and scrolls walk amongst us. That's kind of uh, the key details that you need. So, gotcha. Noted. This is as much for the audience as it is for me. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I appreciate this as I go into watching Secret Invasion. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, okay, so uh, uh, there's also a question in the chat right now uh, at youtube.com slash decoding TV about um, uh, wasn't Fury ship part of the offensive side of S.H.I.E.L.D. called S.W.O.R.D.? Seemed like it was actively preparing for the next co- cosmic threat. Uh, I think there is a lot of uh, more details along those lines will be provided in Secret Invasion. Um, In the comics, Fury sets up S.W.O.R.D. to deal with threats from space, but S.W.O.R.D. already exists in the MCU. Um, So uh, it it is a little bit different in the show than in the comics, Um, but I do think the the shows will provide some clarity on that. So so yeah, you'll you'll get some some more information along those lines. I'm just just amazed, like... and, And I have to... Say, Patrick, I can't imagine this was the vision um, for how this information would be doled out. Like, I have to no. imagine, like, maybe at one point Secret Invasion came out years earlier or, you know, so, like, the, the, the post credit scenes could connect more directly. That's just my speculation. But It, it, it really feels like, you, you know, you, you read enough in, like, the trades and how things were swapped, uh, you know, like, moved around. Like, Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home, uh, specifically. And I have to, like catch myself like which way home am i saying homecoming's easy and then i got far from home no way home but like that movie like sony didn't want to move its release date and so elements of its script had to be messed around as marvel tried to make doctor strange work it's like once you start like previous iterations of marvel yes there was a what felt like a lot of it relative to what we were getting at the time but in sheer quantity now it is just so much different even on the movies you take away the television shows you're just getting far more marvel films than ever before that that makes like any cog in that machine that gets moved around for reasons that are totally understandable how many times if you're watching this my guess is you're also reading up on film news and television news things get delayed directors go off like get reassigned get fired new directors like there are so it's so hard to make any of these work when uh, like all the best intentions are in place. When you then start connecting that into something that has three, four, five, six, like when you're juggling that many pieces, there's just not going to be a way to seamlessly put that in the way you originally put it, like had planned for it. And like, that is one of the, it may have been like very exciting at the time to imagine all these new stories that could be told in the Marvel universe. But I think what's been lost along the way is that joy of that connective tissue that I think also then robs probably the productions of these of these films and television shows because well okay we we thought we were getting momentum drafting off of this other thing and now we weren't building in all this other structural foundational elements that would allow a more generalized audience or like built in higher stakes because the show needs to stand on its own i think all that stuff ends up undercutting these individual shows um as they go along that are just consequences of things that may have happened two, three, four years that are routine and in, in doing television and film production. That's also worth mentioning. Like Marvel's never hadn't done television production until right. this, right? So it's like, so not only are we going to do TV for the first time, but we're going to do like a dozen shows and they're all going to like play with the Marvel. The, like right. it sounds so farcical when you put it, when you, when you, you, uh, you know, mention it out loud this, a couple of years into it, then, and then imagining, well, even if you want to write that ship, it's like, well, 
yeah, but like like seven ships already went out. So like we go right the ship on like the eighth ship in like two and a half years from now. It's just the mind bends at how how you trying to kind of like solve this calculus when when weak weaknesses emerge. Agreed completely. Uh, but you know, Patrick, I'm very curious to hear what you and our listeners will think of Secret Invasion. Maybe you'll be like, oh, I don't know what Dave Chen was talking about. Like I completely understand everything going on. This I didn't need any of that. I didn't need any of that context whatsoever. Um, I will just say from my own experience, I was like, wait, so who are the scrolls again? And like, what are we supposed to feel about the scrolls and Nick Fury's relationship to them? If there's one thing you should watch to prepare yourself for Secret Invasion, it is the 2019 film Captain Marvel. Like, mm. if you can watch it, I think you'll be like really in a better space to understand what's going on with the scrolls. It's not necessary, but for me, it, like, when I, when I watched it last night, I was like, oh, like, it all like makes sense now. It really helped everything to lock into place. So, anyway. Uh, curious to hear what you think of the uh, of the premiere and whether or not you found this podcast to be helpful. Okay, <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, I do just want to remind everyone that basically the, what we're going to do is uh, Patrick and I will be recapping and reviewing every two episodes of Secret Invasion. So that means uh, after episode two comes out. The Thursday afterwards, Thursday morning, uh, Patrick and I will broadcast live at youtube.com slash decoding TV to talk about the show um, every two episodes. There's going to be six episodes of Secret Invasion, so there's going to be three subsequent episodes covering Secret Invasion here on Decoding TV. Uh, find more episodes of podcast.decodingtv and find us on youtube.com slash decoding TV where we will have these conversations live and interact with the audience. Okay, so as we wrap up, Patrick Klepek, I guess uh, I just... Wanted to come back to this question of where we feel like MCU TVs and what its role is. You've already kind of talked about this. I guess for me, what I am looking for is a TV show that doesn't feel like it's mostly an advertisement for other TV shows or movies. Like, Mm -hmm. I want a TV show that tells a self-contained story um, that doesn't feel like it's mostly just we're setting things up for the next movie or TV show. And I feel like... uh, you know, I, I guess when I think about shows like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, they they did have some aspects of self-contained stories, but either those felt pretty half-baked. Um, like in the case of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I felt like that was just completely inconsequential as a story. Like you could, whenever we see Captain America appear next, if assuming Anthony Mackie's playing him, um, you could have just never watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier and you would still under, like it still tracks from when he was given the shield. Right. Oh, right. He's game. Captain America. That He's makes Captain sense. He's Captain America. Like, it's a, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier is just this kind of like weird digression. Loki season one, a lot of it felt like it was laying crack for the introduction of Kang, uh, in my opinion. And, and to the detriment of telling like a nice self-contained story itself. A uh, lot of great things about Loki season one, a lot of great performance, a lot of great visuals. But like what I'm hoping for with Secret Invasion is a self-contained story that's actually trying to say something. You know, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Patrick, are my expectations too high? What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on Loki. I think Loki, it, as someone that does look forward to the connective tissue, like if you're going to do essentially a connective tissue show, I think Loki is about as good as you can do. Because I do mm. think, it, yes, it's laying track, but I also think, well, if Ant-Man and, and Quantum Manny had been a better film, you know, uh, th- this would be maybe a little more uh, uh, prescient. But... Um, like, I don't know that you needed to watch that to understand Kang in Quantum Mania. 
like, like again, Quantumania, not a good film, but like, had it been, like, I don't know that Lo- Loki is more like setting up background of what this character is, some of their potential motivations, the consequences. And I, I liked Loki as that. My, my, my worry is that when the shows are inconsequential to the broader universe, yeah. then it is so much more important that they tell an interesting story in and of themselves. And like that's what happened Absolutely. with Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that it was inconsequential to the broader universe other than just six episodes or however long it was like doing a, 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 a sort of setting up Falcon, taking that transition and not doing it particularly interestingly. Um, and so it's, and it's also not its own self-contained interesting story. And so it's got to pick a path. And I understand that it'll be frustrating to people who consider some of this stuff to be homework or they consider it to be too much to keep up with. But if you're going to like, if these shows fall into those two buckets, you have to pick your lane and then execute on that lane. And I think that is what frequently these shows are struggling with is, but like, what if we did both? And it's like, I don't know that you can. And the two lanes, the two lanes to be clear are like, hey, we're helping to provide backstory and set up for other Marvel things that will help you understand other Marvel things or other Marvel things don't matter. We're doing our own thing, like, and we're telling a self-contained story. Those are the, kind of the two paths, right? Ideally, it does both, and they've had varying success in both dimensions in the past. Um, but I am hoping that Secret Invasion tells its own self-contained story, uh, that it has something to say, uh, and if it ties into the Marvel universe and helps to set up for the Marvels, which it very well might, yeah. that's great. But uh, the Marvels being the fall marvel movie release that's coming out um but uh if it doesn't then you know i I just hope like at the end of the day we'll be like wow what an interesting commentary on blah whatever (laughs) it ends up being about you know that's that's yeah um, yeah i'm 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 with you and i'm curious and and this show especially given that um i mean you see more than me that uh yes there's aliens and i'm sure space to some degree has to play note but it is you know, they're in theory, yes, it's still world altering consequences, but like lower stakes in the sense that the some of the main characters we're following aren't powered characters. And that should, in theory, allow for some like really interesting groundwork. And I do think that is where people are bringing in sort of like some of the Andor comparisons like, hey, like this world is full of wonder, but like also like people are just here. And like, what, what stories can you tell with those people who also happen to be surrounded by? wizard magic or people who can fly. Um, and that, I guess that's what I'm looking for. My expectations are not high on it meeting that bar. And, and maybe the fact that I'm arriving there as someone that should be primed to be just, oh man, can't wait to sit down and watch uh, the, the new Secret Invasion, in which in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't know, when does that new Silo episode come out? Like, that's a bad place to be as a Marvel fan because I should still be there their target audience. Yeah. Um, and, and I still am, but if you're starting to, if I'm starting to waver, if I'm starting to think, uh, if, Hey, you know, I really did want to see guardians, but like, I know that's going to be on Disney plus in like a month and a half. Um, and then maybe I don't need to watch this Marvel show except to make sure I can watch it and talk about it with Dave Chen. Uh, that's, a, that's a, that's an odd spot for this franchise to be. Um, and as things like the X-Men and fantastic four and these other sort of grounding pillars of like, how do you bring, general audiences back like how do you how do you get them into the thick of it again uh i don't know it's, it's just it's a strange place for this franchise to be although i mean not strange it's been a decade like all franchises wax and wane and the mcu was was due for a down period it's just a question of can they turn it around or is this leading to something a lot darker 
We will find out. I'm looking forward to discovering that with you here on Decoding TV. Uh, and again, final reminder, uh, Patrick and I will be back after the first two episodes of Secret Invasion have aired. We'll be broadcasting live at YouTube.com slash Decoding TV on Thursday mornings uh, and getting the episode out on the Decoding TV feed shortly after that. So, uh, Patrick, I'm really excited to have you on Decoding TV to talk about Secret Invasion. And the stakes are not high, medium shall we say, for uh, <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe on television. And there's been a lot of challenges, but um, some good stuff as well. Should be an interesting conversation here on Decoding TV. So, Patrick, let people know where they can find your work until our next episode together. Uh, you can follow uh, me on Twitter at Patrick Klupik. You can follow uh, all my uh, work rambling about video games over at remapradio.com. And if you're interested in a newsletter about the intersection of parenting and video games and technology, you can sign up and support that at patrickklepik.substack.com. And if you uh, enjoy this podcast, uh, you can support it by becoming a paid member at decodingtv.com. Get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes. We really appreciate everyone who supports the show. Helps to keep it going. All right, we'll be back after the first two episodes of Secret Invasion have aired. Until then, goodbye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>